This podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. Frankly, if it doesn't, I'll be f***ing surprised. They say that to know the measure of a man, you must look at the company he keeps. Well, if that is true, then Lord help me, save me and cleanse me. Hello, I'm author and actor Edward Payne and I'm a self-confessed correspondence hoarder. I keep everything. Emails, postcards, texts and letters. Some still in their original envelopes. But why? Join me as I contact some of my closest friends as they help me to pick through the letters that they've sent me throughout the years to unearth the stories that may still be crouching between the scribbled lines and discover whether I should throw these old memories to the past or keep them in preparation for the future. This is a podcast about friendship through the written word. This is Dear Me. Shalom. So North London born Batty and I used to live and work together in a gay pub in Hampstead, North London. Incidentally, it was the same one that H had trouble removing me from in 2002 after uni when I was having such a good time and paying no rent. Uh, Batty and I got off to a shaky start as she was the assistant manager and I was the new blonde uh, twink glass collector with no experience. She just couldn't be bothered with me. However, I did put the graft in And now we've been firm friends for many, many years. Uh, And in the last 10 years, Batty has taken herself back to her homeland of Israel and is now in a long-term relationship with her new partner and they have a brand new baby, actually. Um, Those halcyon days at the pub, I was 19, she was 23, they were absolutely magical. We've formed a lot of great friends there, some friends that we still talk to now. However, we have lost a few of our treasured friends between then and now, and I'm sure we'll talk about those. But I think Batty actually coached me into becoming a confident gay man because she just looked after me all the time she was always concerned about me and I can't thank her enough really because it can't have been easy let's see what went on okay so on the phone we have episode two and obviously it's got to be on the phone because this person is actually overseas um welcome to Batty hello (laughs) take your time dear we've only got half an hour how are you how do you say, how do you say, is it Shalom? Yeah, that's right. Is there another way to say hi in, in Hebrew? Um, hi, Shalom. Uh, um, There's about 15 different ways to say it in Swedish. So last week we talked to H, who is my Swedish friend. And this year, for some re- this year, this week, we seem to be going around the globe. Um, and we're contacting you in Israel. Um, but obviously we are speaking from how many miles away are you? It's a, lo- it's a lot. A long, long way. I have no idea. It's about five hours on an aeroplane. There you go. Okay, so I'm going to go through a few vital statistics with you. So, years known. So I think we met in 1999. Yeah, that would be... So 19 years, so it'll be 20 years next year. Oh my 
my goodness. I know. I mean, you live in the Holy Land, but holy shit. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I can almost remember the, the day that we met. Can you? I can, I can remember those first few uh, few days. Yeah, definitely. I Are they happy the, memories? I hope they're happy memories. That little blonde bisexual. Do you know... <laughs> Do you know, I've actually written, because I wrote and, and recorded your intro, and it said, <laughs> we got off to a shaky start. She was the assistant manager, and I was the new blonde Twinkie glass collector. <laughs> and she couldn't be bothered with me. Which, do, you know, uh, do you know that one of the first things I said when when, uh, when you started working at the William? Uh-huh. You strutted behind the bar. Whole, was I com- was I confident? Mm, no, you're quite shy. Because I'd not long come out. I'd not long been out. You hadn't come out properly. You'd come out as bisexual. Oh God! Well, that that didn't last long. It was Christmas. You were quite confident, and you came behind the bar, and I and I, with me and my grumpy self, walked around the bar. And I was like, "Right, boys, we've got some new meat for you." <laughs> <laughs> Like a lamb to the slaughter. <laughs> yeah. Bleeding it. So we've known each other for 19 years. Um, fallouts. As far as I know, we haven't fallen out properly. I don't think so. I would say we've had three kind of terse situations. Um, when, when I've been sober, I think. We've probably had more than that when I've been drunk. So the first one was, um, you used to get really peed off with me because I used to say when you used to go off up to do your banking and everything else, I'd be like, all right then, Nat, see you in a few days. And you used to get really <laughs> pissed off with me because you were thinking that I was insinuating you didn't do any work, when of course you did. She went, actually, I get really pissed off when you say that. And I'm like, oh, get over yourself. And off you went and off I went. Uh, the second, or I suppose this was the first, the first meeting, really. We, we didn't get off to the best of starts. And then... I would say the last one would be the whole deputy manager <laughs> debacle. <laughs> so Batty actually made me her deputy manager, I think, because I was the last egg in the carton. I was almost like, I was almost like the, you know, the, the substitute football player. All the others had kind of played and been injured, and I was the one, the last one know, on the bench. Do you know why? Why? You were the, you were the only one I actually trusted. Oh really? <laughs> oh, that's nice. But I was hopeless. <laughs> I knew, everyone, I knew you, you had your hand in the uh, gin bottle, but I knew everyone else had their hand in the till. <laughs> <laughs> and what's worse, actually, what's worse? At least you can get a good price on gin. <laughs> it was only £5 a bottle back then. So what did, so, I, what did I do wrong as your assistant manager? How long did I last, first of all? I don't remember. Maybe in two months or so. I just remember you coming upstairs and I was watching Pop Stars The Rivals. <laughs> So Girls Aloud were on, and um, you just went, Oi, assistant manager, you haven't turned the fucking fruity on. (laughs) And that to you, was, and you were dead serious, and that to you was like the yardstick by which all good managers should... I mean, the basics is walking downstairs and turning the fruit machines on. I mean, Christ. I mean, you had to do that when you were a glass collector, let alone an assistant manager. So you knew me when I first came out. So so what was I like then? I know we've touched on it a little bit. You were very sure of yourself and uh, you were quite confident. 
and terrified of men. Or terrified of men. <laughs> always very, always, always quite serious for someone so young. You, you're always quite not serious, but uh, mature, I guess, in a way. In in a way, you were quite mature, and in another way, you were quite childish. Mm. Well, I was only nineteen. Exactly. This but, one, I don't mean childish. No, I know what you mean. Just, just, just. Um, yeah. Yeah. Young. Immature and uh, yeah. naive, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think your your naivety was more surrounded by um, your taste in men <laughs> as well. <laughs> Basically, anyone with a pulse. Uh, <laughs> I have the. Do you remember the really old dude? For some reason, I I just wanted older guys. I just wanted to be protected, didn't I? Because I found the whole thing, I found the whole thing absolutely terrifying. I I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine being in a relationship. I remember once I went on a date and it was with a guy called Pete and I had cystitis. And um, he was having a pint on the date because we went out for something to eat and I had a, a cranberry juice. And I just spent the whole time thinking, just eat the fucking scampi and let's go. And all the while your pee pee was burning. Why do you think I was so terrified of being in a relationship or being with men? You're asking a lesbian. Yeah. (laughs) Good point, well made. So, so, okay, so we met in 1999. I'd not long been out. You, how long had you been out? When did you come out? I came out before that I came out in 90, 97 when I was in the army okay so you literally were two years before me I was really young actually I was really I was really young when I started managing that, uh, King William were you how, how much older than you if I'm 37 I was so 40 in August. August yes I remember um so what was it like to be gay at that time in London. Yeah. Ah, uh, for me it was it was a different world. I grew up in London. Mm. Up until the age of 18 and then I moved to Israel and mm. I was there for about 3 years. And then I moved back to London. And I came out in Israel. Mhm. Uh, so my whole gay coming out world Mm. And so coming back to London and starting working at the King William for me it was just a, it was just temporary. I mm. just came back for a couple of months to reconnect with London because I I never really lived here as an adult mm. there. Um, and the first place I fell upon was the King William, <laughs> and I stayed there for five years. So my whole coming out experience was really in in Israel um, being gay in London coming out for the first time in London I, I, I knew no one I mm. just knew the King William mm. and that was it mm. me too yeah. Yeah. so all you knew was, was the King William yeah basically all I knew was the King William and then from there it just got worse the black cat <laughs> Which is no longer there. No, that's crazy. I mean, it? the whole the whole 
of the gay scene really is just not there anymore. Yeah. Do you think that's because we're more integrated as a as a as a community now? I do actually. I do. I have to say I do I do believe that. I think um one of the things I love about London is is the neighbourhoods mm. and uh the fact that uh, you don't really need to leave your neighbourhood uh, your hood. You got like your community pubs and your, your locals and stuff like that. And, uh, I think it's just a lot more acceptable these days to be gay, mm. and uh, less need for for gay pubs and gay bars and stuff like that. Oh, I agree with you. Are you glad you came out the time you did and had and experienced all that? The, the... Absolutely. Because even the even the pub that we worked in, that's not a gay bar anymore. I know. Do you remember um, a little old man who used to come in on his own? What was his name? Reggie or Lenny or something like that. He was Rings a bell, yeah. He was 80... Back then he was in his mid-80s, I think, like 84, 85. Uh-huh. And he used to tell me stories when he used to go there when he was 14, 15 years old. Good Lord. He used to go to the King William and there was a grandfather clock at the back where the um, where the uh, fruit machine that you never turned on <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have turned the clock on instead <laughs> the fruit machine, there was an old grandfather clock there and all the gays used to hang out at the back there and that's how you knew if they were gay so you went from gl- grandfather clock to grandfather cook <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I did for the, for the amount of cock I saw in that pub Oh, I'll bet. For a lesbian, yeah. Yeah, well, I've got some. I've got a few things here. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember these. I don't know if you've still got them, actually. So what I'm showing Batty is old copies of gay magazines uh, when they used to send the photographer round to the gay bars to take photos of the bar staff, and we were in about four copies of them. So this is from Boys Magazine. Oh, God. Uh, this is 2001. With old Gloria Restefan on the front. Oh, <laughs> so I did. Oh no, wrong one. Oh my goodness, no, but I remember it. Do you remember that aluum? That weird bloke in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> he had an epileptic fit and I didn't know what was going on. I know. I spoke about him just a bit. You know, the other day I did a first aid course. Uh huh. Because I've got a baby. And uh, I did a first aid course and, and she asked if I'd ever had to. Uh, you know, save someone. And I was like, well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had to save me on a moped from the Vauxhall Tavern. Well, there was that too. But no, I decided to tell the whole class of like 30 people that I... About the, the time that that weird-looking bloke in the middle of the picture... Don't even remember his name. Aluam. Yeah. And he had an epileptic fit, and I literally lay underneath him with my arms and legs. I was in a star shape, and he was convulsing on the floor. Yeah. And I was lying underneath him. But the beauty of it was, I freaked out, you gave me a brandy, you sent him upstairs and turned to me and went, he was faking it. I think you did. There be no, I mean, God, diversity and inclusion would have your guts for garters nowadays. So this is the last one. 
I don't know if you remember this. Have you got the paper? This is Boys Magazine when it came as a broadsheet. Oh my goodness. And it stinks as well. I've obviously had it for so long. <laughs> it's got mildew. I bet it does. The, the one in the website. Can you see oh that? Oh my goodness. I know. Oh, and I've put that, I put that one on Facebook not so long ago. So that was from Tonic. That was from the other bar that yeah. you managed. Um, and there's a lovely one actually of, of Susie there and Susie was one of our friends who we unfortunately lost in the last couple of years um, in fact we've lost a, we've lost a few people from yeah. those days haven't we it's been it's been a tough couple of years yeah um, all connected by that place which is just makes it so sad that it's not the same as it was so you went you went off for six months in 2003 yes. I did now where did you go Oh, I started in Thailand. Um, I travelled down through Malaysia to Singapore. Mm -hmm. Singapore to Melbourne, Australia. I did the whole of the East Coast. Got to Queensland, flew to uh, New Zealand. New Zealand to Fiji for my 25th birthday. I spent on the island in Fiji. Uh, Fiji, I went to L.A., and then I zigzagged across America. I did LA, Vegas, uh, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Ohio for some reason. I don't know why I did Cleveland, Ohio. I, I think I seen it in a movie or something. I was like, okay, let's go there. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I met a fucking guy that just spent nine years in prison. That's the story for another time. So, so you went on a, a merry old time. Um, I did. And you've sent me two letters from your Thailand trip. Oh, my God. And here they are. And they, <laughs> you could have written them fucking yesterday. They are pristine. Oh Absolutely goodness. perfect. I've even got the envelopes. How funny. Your spelling is atrocious, but... Uh, I'm we'll, sure it is. We'll overlook that. So I picked, on a, picked up on a couple of, couple of things, and I can always scan and send you these if you want to read them again. Oh, um, <laughs> you're just sort of saying, because I was convinced you weren't going to come back. And that filled me with a, with a fear that I've never even I've never known since. This had only been two two weeks since you left, so I haven't taken one photo since I've been on Fifi PP Fifi. Fifi yeah. So I'm going to trek up to the viewpoint and take some snaps. When I dive tomorrow, I'll try to remember my camera and take some photos from the boat. Have you seen the film The Beach? Well, I'll be staying on the island next to where they filmed it. So you would have, did you, what camera did you take? Is that still like, an Instamatic? Those throwaway cameras yeah. when I was travelling. What I love as well is, um, I've met a few people here that are okay, but most of the English people I've met, I try to pretend I've never met them. <laughs> They're so up their own asses. These are avoid people. So you go on to say that your two best mates on Fifi, PP, are uh, two cats. So what were the, what were the English like travelling? Sounds like you didn't really like them. I, I think I avoided most people when I was traveling. Yeah. I, I got to Thailand and I, I didn't really socialize with many people at all. Um, well, you say that, but I met a ginger girl from Plymouth. I met her a couple of days before oh and, thought, and thought, avoid. <laughs> I hope she hasn't seen me. But no, she had. She started talking to me. You would think after two weeks of having only Pong and the two cats to talk to, I'd enjoy it. <laughs> I would have enjoyed that moment, but I was dying. 
She latched herself on me and ruined the view. <laughs> She was, she was telling me, because she wouldn't shut up, that she's gay and blah, blah, fucking more blah. <laughs> so we walked down the mountain together and I hoped she would drift off at the bottom. But no, she came to eat with me. Then got talking to English girls at the restaurant, who also turned out to be a couple of <laughs> I don't talk to anyone in two weeks and in one night I meet three <laughs> And this one, you're actually sat some hot chick singing along to covers karaoke. Oh, her sidekick, I've nicknamed Smooth Tom Tom, is about as in key as you on a piss night trying to get in the front door. So not too smooth. I've had about as much conversation in the last few days as someone who's had, had their lips stapled to their knees. Am I still in Thailand? You're still in Thailand here. Okay. <laughs> you should be here, Eddie Bear. Smooth Tom Tom is singing Dolly fucking Parton, Joe fucking Lean. I can't even laugh because I'm sat on my own. Old Dolly would lose a breast listening to this. <laughs> I mean, that's classic you, isn't it? God, that was so long ago and you just... Flashed it back in, in, in seconds. I remember sitting there. Oh, I really wanted to cry laughing and I couldn't. I was sat there on my own like Billy No Mates. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember it literally like it was yesterday now? <laughs> when would you think it's the last time you thought of that? Oh, God. I think after I came back from Thailand, I don't think I've thought about it since. <laughs> the ginger girl often, often crosses my mind. But the thing is, you went on a once-in-a-lifetime travelling expedition and saw some amazing things, some things that people will only ever dream of. Yeah. All I've got from your <laughs> expedition is three <laughs> and Dolly Parton losing a breast. <laughs> do, do, do lesbians get offended by the word <laughs> So Are we allowed to use that? Are we allowed to keep that in? I don't, I don't know. I'm not a very PC person. No. I, I put explicit content anyway. But however, <laughs> bear with me. It's your emails when you move back to Israel. So tell me why you moved back to Israel. Um, why I, moved, I, I always planned to move back. I never really planned to stay in London. It was the King Willie, the King William that just, it got me by the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's when you actually went, because you went back in 2009, didn't you? Yes, yes so, I did. And I, I couldn't, I I say I couldn't wait, but, you know, I I spent nine fabulous years in London. So it's in the writing of these emails when you moved away that the comedy goals just comes rolling out. Were the emails when I moved back in 2009? Yeah. So I, I think when you get, and I was saying to H last week, when you get an email from someone and it's a lengthy one, you don't always take it in, do you? You kind of you skim through it and you sent one a month actually, up until early 2010, and then you just can be bothered. So I don't know if you've ever read these back. Probably not. Okay, so um, this is March 2009. So I finished painting my little studio apartment this week and officially moved in on Thursday. It's been a funny old week. I've seen some surreal things in my new city. On the bus the other day, we passed a lorry driver sitting at the side of the road with his hand wrapped up. Poor fellow was in shock because he'd chopped two of his fingers off on delivery. Oh, and I know this because I could see the tops of them still on the truck shelf. 
Next day, around the same place on the bus, I saw a naked woman jogging down the street. <laughs> True. <laughs> she was being chased by police officers. <laughs> it's a true story. Oh, God. This poor woman wasn't small in any shape or form. And most definitely not a pleasant sight, especially at 8am. So then you tell me about going to a flea market. Uh, you bought a dark little wooden table, battered and bruised, yeah. fell in love with it, bartered the little man down, the little man. Uh, I was so excited, I just picked it up with, picked it up and walked home with it under my arm for about five minutes. Then I realised it was awkward. Anyway, I fought the discomfort and almost romantically skipped home in the sunshine, whistling away, carrying the fucking table. Which reminded me of the time you and I carried a rolled up rug from Ikea on your moped. <laughs> You were in front of me and I was behind and we both had it tucked under our arms. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't like we had to go through some back street. We're on like the fucking motorway. We were on the North Circular. <laughs> okay, so this is April 09. Oh this this is uh oh this, you this is quite emotive now. So you've had so when did you move? Did you move in the March or the February? So you're dating, uh, could be, oh. oh, this is quite funny. I still think she could be a very special person in my life, but the timing is all wrong. She starts a new job tomorrow. It's a very important biochemical project that will keep her inside this rail. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is this woman? Oh my God, I, we went on two dates, I think. How lesbian of me. And then suddenly this biochemical project ripped you both apart. <laughs> And then you and then you're really missing. You're being ponderous, and you're 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 missing all of us. And each one of you serves a very special purpose in my life: a shoulder, an ear, laugh, smiles, a moan, alcohol, advice, or support. And sometimes here, I'm not sure where I need to go when I need something. My life is in process at the moment. You're really you know what's going on, and you and this this would have been around Robin, so you would have sent it to probably about ten or ten or fifteen of us. So yeah. you're always really honest with us, and I love that. Yeah. Um, so this is May. Uh, my English seems to be getting shitter by the day, but to be honest, it was never great when I lived in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I think the old man in the store next to me is a puppet. He's so old, he really should have died 20 years ago. His shop is older than the state of Israel, and I don't think he's bought any new stock since he opened it, but I'm telling you, there's nothing you can't find in this shop. You name it. He has it. It's like magic. Oh, dear. Do you know the shop? I'm trying to think. I think it was next to your restaurant, maybe, that you were working in at the time. Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It smelled dust. <laughs> <laughs> then in, in June, so the coffee shop is going well, getting busier and busier, so obviously you're working there. Uh, a customer bought me a kitten her kid found in the garden. It's only a week old, very likely to die, so I gave it to the vet next to the coffee shop and we've been looking after it together. I'd love to take him home permanently. He's so loving and amazing, a little ginger nutter, a real character already, and we've bonded nicely. But I shouldn't really take responsibility for it and I've refused to name it. <laughs> it's, not all, it's not plain sailing all the time here. The mentality is mental, obviously, and people don't queue, won't wait quietly... <laughs> 
have no patience and will physically push you out of the way just to get served before you in the supermarket. People talk to each other like shit a lot of the time. How is that different from London? <laughs> August. I think I've become so used to being single and so happy being single, I might just stay single and just date and be non-committal. I think I've been digging myself a non-committal hole and now I'm contently stuck in it. Oh, and whilst digging the hole, I also built a lesbian bar at the bottom just to keep things interesting. <laughs> but you've literally been through a roller coaster. I mean, this is only August. I mean, that's six months. So then December, you're starting to, you're coming into your stride in December. So I was going to go to Bethlehem for the day and see what all the fuss was about. But apparently I'm about 2,000 years too late to catch the main event. So maybe I'll find it on YouTube. <laughs> it reminds me of that wonderful card where a woman's leaning into a black cab. And she says, uh, Waterloo, please, mate. And he says, the station. She says, I'm a bit fucking late for the battle. Okay, March... So we moved on quite a lot here. I just passed my driving test here. Even though the first thing the instructor said was, good morning, good luck, and please turn left here. And I turn right. <laughs> and I mounted the pavement. But I still passed. And then later on in March, so you passed your driving test, but then you get all sombre again. So life is all steady for me right now. I've been feeling a little broken lately. Just had a wee low. Uh, I've lost a lot of faith in people, which sucks, and have become far too pessimistic in regards to myself. This will pass, I'm sure, as it usually does. You're like one of those little humbug sweets, aren't you, Batik? Because you, you're like, you've got a tough exterior, and you, it can be quite hard to crack, but inside you're just gooey. I am. I'm a softie. So June, uh, work's getting better. So I have three cooks, Mohammed, Saeed and Halid. And honestly, I could write a book on each character. It's like having three toddlers under my feet all day. Mohammed and Halid fight like siblings and have a love-hate relationship since they were five years old. Mohammed pickpocketed me today. I thought I was going mad and was sure I had a 50 note when I arrived at work. Only realised he'd done me over when he bought me an ice cream and then gave me the fucking change. Saeed is a 56-year-old lump of a cook. He always tells tales on the other boys and loves a good gossip. And last month I bailed Halid out of jail. I turned up at the police station and told the friendly officer at the front desk, you have my cook, can I have it back, please? <laughs> <laughs> That's legendary. And then last but not least... Um, you couldn't make it up. Oh, no, absolutely not. Oh, no, so November. So you quit, <laughs> quit your job... And now looking for a new job is going rather slow. I've got lots of experiences in many different things and I'm trying to stay away from the easy options and away from the comfort of managing venues. I'm still with my girlfriend, Hila. Yeah. I'm trying to keep focused on my job situation right now and she's being very supportive of that. We've got no, we've no plans to move in together anytime soon and I'm happy at the pace we're moving. It's literally like, I've decided I'm going to concentrate on work and I'm still with my girlfriend, but... Pff, February. I think the week after that I moved in with it. <laughs> yeah, February, you've just broken up. Oh. Um, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but in February, and this would have been the last one, actually, so this was 2012, so you said, my mum has a tumour in her head the size of a peach. 
But she seems to find it amusing. I told her I'd buy her a new hat. I'm going to give her a salad bowl to put on her head. She likes the idea. And I've seen enough Grey's Anatomy to know how to perform the surgery myself. So bring it on is what we say. And we must say that your mum's in the clear now, isn't she? Yeah. You know, just uh, two days ago I spoke to her and she said she, she went for her yearly uh, yearly checkup, and the doctor told her to come back in two years. Right. Great news. Yeah, she's all good. I mean, your mum, your mum, because your mum still lives in London, doesn't she? My mum, you could write a book on my mum. Does she still live in the same house? She does, yeah. Would she ever move out of that house? No, and we keep trying to get her out of there, but she won't. So you've had a really interesting family life, really, haven't you? Because um, your mum and dad got back together after years not being together. And your brother was at home for a long time, wasn't he? Until he got married. When did he get married? When he was 40. <laughs> and he finally moved out of your mum's house. He did, yeah. Bless yeah. him. Yeah. So obviously we're, we're in a time now where, you know, you can have a WhatsApp group with your family. Uh, you yeah. and I Facebook message a lot. We FaceTime. Um, you know, the world's a different place now communication-wise. So, you know, if you went away for another six months, you wouldn't need to be putting pen to paper. So these letters I'm going to keep forever, obviously, and we'll be friends forever. Um, and emails and things, they're like the new letters. Do you think it's going to make a comeback? Do you miss the days of letters? I do. I really do. I used to write letters all the time. I've, I've always had friends that have lived in uh, other countries. If I lived in England, I'd write letters to uh, my oldest friends. Well, I have loved reading your letters, particularly your emails. And I love it more because it's about your experiences. And you have a really... Um, a really wonderful way of when you need to be emotional about something, you don't cover it up, you give it to us both barrels. And when you've got a funny story to tell, you have similar vigour and vim. Um, and I loved it and I find it hilarious. So I hope you don't stop writing letters. I Certainly not to me. And now you've got a new chapter because you've got a new baby. I do. I do. And he's an amazing little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe it. Because obviously it's um, we don't live, we, you know, we don't see each other every day, so it's. I know. I can't believe that um, you've got a little baby. That's crazy. I know it's it's crazy. He's only seven weeks, and he feels like he's been here forever. And what's it been like to listen back to some of your emails and your letters and things? Do you recognise the person? Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you haven't changed at all. You're still very resilient. You're still very heart on your sleeve, um, family orientated happy, healthy, and you look after yourself as well, which is really important. I try to. I, I, I really think, you know, the dark humour, sarcasm, whatever, it, it's a huge part of me. And um, there are certain people in my life that really bring it out in me. <clears throat> and that then you're definitely, you're, you're, you are the main one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm very always, flattered, thank you. <laughs> well, we've been through a lot of lot of stuff it's you were almost like a kind of teflon spatula whenever i was kind of face down on the floor you'd come along and you'd like chisel me back off the floor and flip me back up again without really having to do much i loved it ed i love yeah. i love i've always loved being in, in being your friend ah oh, but the really? feeling is more than mutual and do you think when you saw that little 
Twinkie glass collector 19 years ago, the new meat. No. <laughs> Did you ever think we'd be talking on a podcast 20 years later about no, all these? No, I didn't. Not that night. Um, you were annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> you, were sh- you were a shit bartender, so. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. You can follow the conversation at Dear Me Pod on Facebook, and you can find more episodes plus the sister podcast, Dear Me Postscriptum, up there as well. Thanks for listening. See you next time.